0: Hey, welcome. I'm Paul, and I am really, really glad that you're participating in this time that we have together. We are going to spend a few minutes talking about anger. Yeah, we are. We are going to go there. Uh, We're in a series that we are calling Emojis because we use emojis, well, in our texts, and they are a good way to kind of express ourselves. If your kids are driving you nuts, you'll use in your text an emoji, If your parents are driving you nuts in your text, you will use an even stronger emoji. Uh, If you find that there's no limit on toilet paper at Safeway, you'll have a happy emoji. And if you realize that we have four more months of 2020, you'll have a very, very sad emoji. Now, when we talk about emotions, I'm part Greek, and so I really do understand emotions. My son and I just spent a week in the mountains. And when we parted, I cry like a baby. Now, what is with emotions? Emotions really just reveal that something is happening within you. That's what emotions are. They're just a a revealing that something is going on that is inside you now, and it's kind of just revealing itself on the outside. For instance, grief. When you're grieving, it indicates that there has been a loss in your life. If there is fear, that means that there's danger or there's threat. Frustration, that indicates that there's no college football going on right now. Now, the issue is really not, are emotions good or bad? Emotions just are. They're just there. It's what you do with them, and it's how we process them that really makes all the difference in the world. And this is really important when we come to anger, to the whole idea of anger and being angry. And God does not leave us alone on this one. He is going to tell us a lot about how we handle our anger and how we should process it. And before we get any farther, let's take a second and pray. Um, God, right now, I just pray that you would give me the words to share, and you would open us up to what your word says to us. And Holy Spirit, may you move now in this time. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I will not ask for a show of hands if you have been angry, because you have. You have, I have, we all have, lots of times. Heck, it's 2020, everybody's mad. Um, I, I said that I was in the, in the mountains, I was in the Sierras, and I had to drive back home uh, from spending time with my son. And I had to drive back over Sonora Pass. And I don't know if you've ever been over Sonora Pass, but if you're on the road going up to it, it says 26% grade. Uh, now, 26% grade is steep for anything, um, and especially steep for a 17-year-old minivan. And I happen to have a 17-year-old minivan, and it was loaded down with camping stuff and all the fish that I, I didn't catch. And one thing you need to do with a 26% grade is you need to keep moving. That's important and i needed to keep moving and the blue must- mustang in front of me needed actually to see how slow he could go without rolling backwards and and, and i'm losing power as i'm driving and i and i'm thinking as i'm going just going please you know please 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 you know hit the gas drive that thing and and he's probably looking in his rearview mirror and probably wondering why that guy behind him has got this crazy expression on his face as he's driving <laughs> Anyway, I'm getting, yeah, what's the word? I'm getting very angry. (laughs) Now, let's categorize those things that make us angry, okay? Let's put them into some categories. First of all, there are things in life that make us angry. Uh, My favorite thing to hate in life is when I'm on the phone and I I need to write something down and and I grab a pen. Now, I've told you this before, that a pen has only one purpose in life. One. I mean, it's very, very simple for a pen. It just has to write. That's all it has to do. It doesn't have to make me a sandwich. It doesn't have to go to the grocery store for me. It doesn't have to think for me. All it has to do is dispense ink. And if it doesn't, I get what? I get angry. Now, the second category, I guess, would be people. And this is where we get into a lot of trouble, isn't it? I mean, when we get angry at people. When we get angry at people, boy, things begin to really fall apart. Feelings get hurt. We say things we shouldn't say. Emotions flare. People hurt back. Relationships then start to develop bad scars. Anger is is a relationship killer. The Bible says this, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. And there are lots of ways that we express anger to other people in our lives. Um, We all have our anger weapon of choice. Um, None of them are really any more holy than others. Uh, Some of you, your weapon of choice may be sarcasm. You're very sarcastic back at a person. Some of you are volcanoes, you know, this raging spew that just kind of comes out and just lashes out at other people. Um, Some of you are martyrs. Those those of you that are martyrs kind of clam up and and, 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 and close down. You don't express it, but everybody knows you're angry. What you're doing is you're manipulating by silence. And and some of you, because of your outbursts of anger in one shape or form or or another, um, really your spouses or your friends who are living uh, around you are living in fear because of you. And you have found it's a good way to control people. Your anger, your method of anger, your method of expressing anger. And and boy, it benefits us a lot of times, but the cost on others is huge. Another category of anger is we get angry at ourselves. Now, you have been angry at yourself, something stupid you did, something you should have done but you didn't do. Um, not living up to your own values. Maybe you are doing something you said that you've never done again, and so you are continually angry at yourself. Now, now there's one more, and, and we're going to spend a little bit more time at the end talking about that, is a lot of times we're angry at God. God has let you down, or in fact, you might even feel right now that God is letting you, you down. Um, as I said, we will, we will come back to that in just a second. The Bible says this, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, and slander. Now, if God is going to tell us and tell me that I'm supposed to get rid of anger and I'm supposed to get rid of rage, he's going to have to give me the tools to do it because it doesn't seem like I'm always that successful in getting rid of it all by myself. So how do I get rid of anger in my life? How can I begin to work through it? Or at least when I have it, it doesn't do the damage and it doesn't cause the casualties that it it has. And I really believe that God wants us to live this life the way it's supposed to be lived. And he will give us guidelines and he will help you uh, as you seek after him and seek how to do it right. So let's talk about really kind of how to manage or how to control this anger thing that's in our lives. And the first one is, 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 is pretty obvious. And in fact, you could probably even talk about this yourself. I need to reflect before I react. Now, how many of you knew that? Yeah, most of us do. I have to reflect before I, relax, before I react. Some people say, you know, you count to three or you count to 10 or whatever. The Bible says this. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And slow to get angry. Last week, Kurt talked about slow thinking versus fast thinking. And this is really the same. It's to slow down the process so that my emotions don't get ahead of my reason. And my emotions don't all of a sudden do damage that they shouldn't be doing. And when you look at the order here and what the Bible says, look at it. It says this. You need to be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to to get angry. The Bible would also say this, a stupid man gives free rein to his anger, but a wise man waits and lets it grow cool. The Hebrew word for grow cool is basically chill out. I mean, you, you, you chill out a little bit. In other words, you let it sit before you speak. You don't react, you wait. And then you're not now reacting, you are responding. It says again, the wise man waits and lets it grow cool. And, and what do you do during this delay? You Try to understand your anger. I think it's really important to try and understand why you're getting angry. Um, I try and analyze it. Why am I so ticked off right now? In fact, I'll, I'll ask myself that question. Why are you so ticked off? I mean, why are you so you know frustrated about this? and a lot of times the answer that comes back at me is one i don't like. basically, a lot of times the answer is selfishness it's about you you're not getting your way it's you know kind of the me 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 thing and I, I, I know i'm a mess sometimes no, in fact, most times i 'm a mess, but when I get mad and when I get angry it's because Buttons are being pushed that knocks down my ego or or collapses my little world. And when that is happening, my immediate response is not my best response. My immediate response when my little world is falling apart is not my best response. The Bible says a man's wisdom gives him patience. And the more you understand your anger, the better you'll be able to deal with it. Now, now this next one I think is really important. It's knowing the difference between the real and the ideal. We have to know the difference between the real and the ideal. Let me explain that. Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a great book called Changes That Heal, and he talks about this. And he says that all of us have in our minds a, a, a sense of the ideal, the way life should be, the way we would like life to be. Uh, I'd like to live in my ideal world. In my ideal world, pens never run out of ink when I need to write something down. Tourists don't clog up our our roads. When I call the phone company, they don't put me on hold for 30 minutes. That would be my ideal world. But I live in the real world, not the ideal world. And, and, And I anticipate the ideal, but it doesn't happen. And this is the problem, and this is why we get angry. When I anticipate always the ideal, but the real comes in and takes its place, I get angry because I want the ideal to be there. Um, And this is where so much of anger occurs, because the ideal way is always my way. The ideal world is always the world that benefits me the most. Um, My way, not your way. My way. See, my way is everyone drives smoothly and quickly up and over Sonora Pass because I want to get home and I don't want my car to overheat. But the world is not ideal. As much as I would want it to be, it's just simply not. It's real, it's a real world. For instance, I'm not ideal. The Bible says I'm sold as a slave to sin. I mess up i break down (laughs) in fact it says you're not ideal it says this indeed there is no one on earth who is righteous no one who does what is right and never sins and that means that people in our lives will not be ideal they're going to be real and they're going to sin and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to goof up and they're going to let us down and they're going to get on our nerves. And because we are expecting always from them the ideal, when they give us the real, it causes anger within us. In fact, the Bible would say the world is not ideal. It's a real world. Listen to this verse. It says, for creation was subjected to frustration. Isn't that a great way to say it? It means things are just broken here. There's a frustration in this world that things just don't always work right. And we wonder why things don't go the way we planned or want or need. Babies do cry at 3 a.m. They don't sleep through the night. Printers run out of ink. Our spouses get under our nerves. Taxes go up. It's a real world that we live in. And what maturity is, and we all know this, maturity is realizing that we live in that real world. We live in an unideal world. And it's reconciling that in our heads, and in our hearts. Next one. We need to, and this one's obvious, we need to respond really in the right way. You have to respond when you're angry. There has to be a response. You can't just simply suppress it or repress it. That causes all kinds of messes in your life. You respond. You respond in the right way. The Bible says, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, I, I, I know some, some couples that take this way too literally and feel that they have to stay up all night just simply to work out an issue. Um, no, that's not what it's saying. When it says, don't let the sun go down while, it, while you're still angry, it's a figure of speech. And it means what you need to do is you need to deal with your anger quickly. You can't just let it set. You have to stay, take action and take steps in order to get it resolved, and you should. Because God puts high value on relationships, so much so that if you're angry, it should be really breaking your heart, and you shouldn't be able to function well until you get it resolved in your anger with another person. And if there's an issue going there, you know what it's doing to you. And what it's saying is, go, get it worked out, work itself out. There's a verse in the book of Job that says this, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. You're only hurting yourself. So, so what's the right way to deal with it? Well, I think you have to admit it. That's one of the first parts of it. You have to admit you're angry. It happens all the time in the Bible, and I think it should happen in your life. You admit it. Ad- admit, admission is also kind of like the whole concept of confession. Confession. You confess it, you admit it, you admit the cause, not just that you're angry, but you admit the cause of it. You know, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, I'm irritated, I feel insecure. You say things like, "Um, I'm angry, I'm hurt when you don't pay attention to my feelings. That hurts me. And all of a sudden, this thing begins to air itself out. Otherwise, if you hold it down, it's just going to fester and get worse. It takes maturity to be honest about your anger and to be honest about the reason for your anger. You know, is it hurt? Is it frustration? Is it fear? You work to deal with it. The next one, you begin to learn to rely on God's control in your life. And this is now where the spiritual component really begins to come into play. Um, You're not going to get better on your own. Um, If you have an anger issue, um, you've probably already tried to work it out on your own, and you can't. And there's really no way you can change a lifelong pattern of the heart by just simply saying, I'm going to try harder. It doesn't work. You've already tried harder. You need God's help on this one. And you really do need to rely on God's help. Jesus made a great statement. He said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You know, not anger, peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. It's a real world out there. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Well, what does God do and how does he do it? I mean, how does he help us in this one? One of the ways he does it is when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, He says he puts his spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit, God's spirit in you, it says, the Bible says clearly it produces these qualities. Love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and gentleness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control. It begins to talk about all these qualities that begin to naturally grow up because the life of God is now working in your life. Does love, joy, peace, and patience and kindness make a difference in your angry? You know they do. Of course they do. In fact, those are the things you long for when you're angry. You say, if I could just settle down, if I could just see them a little bit differently, if I could just love them a little bit more. Does it make a difference in circumstances? Nope. It makes a difference in me. And it makes a difference in you. It doesn't make a difference in circumstances. People still don't use their signal when they turn People will still drive us nuts. But what happens is the change happens in you, and you begin to see them differently. You begin to view them differently. You begin to see maybe the challenges that they have faced in their life, the weaknesses that they have had. You maybe begin to understand that they are the product of a real world in which the brokenness is now revealing itself. And you can instead not see them as a frustration blocking where you want to go or what you want to get from them, but you see yourself as a person that can begin to move into their life and help build them and help them through. And you have a peace with God that is patient, and you, when you accept Christ, something happens inside you. That's why it says this in Colossians, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it rule, let it take charge. God's power to change is when you get the peace of Christ in your heart. And again, what we really need in this anger thing is a change of heart, a deep change of heart. And all the therapy and all the self-help books and tapes in the world, it can't give you a new heart. Only Jesus can do that. And that's why the Bible would say, What this means is that those who become Christians, followers of Christ, become new persons. Not the same anymore. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Now, now this one kind of comes around full circle now, because we're now back to God. And some of you might be saying, "I, I would give my life to this, or I would commit myself more to this. Or I might even believe this more if I wasn't so angry with God. Because anger with God is a real deal. It's a real thing. And sometimes we get angry with God. Why? Well, well a lot of times it's because the real and the ideal kind of got slammed together and we really wanted the ideal, but reality was just too much for us. Sometimes it's because you got hurt real bad. And this is the killer. It looked like God could have done something and God should have done something, but God didn't. It's just killing us. Who can you get mad at in a situation like that? And so we get angry at God. We don't like to admit it. It's hard to admit, God, I'm really mad at you. But I want you to understand something. Even if you're having trouble admitting it, we have all been there. Everyone I know has been there. The big question in our minds is, why didn't God do this? Or why didn't God do that? Or why, when God could have done this, he didn't do it? Every single person I know has been there. You're not alone in that. Every Christ follower has been there. Really, we have. And there are reasons that are there, and there are purposes that are there, and and I know that doesn't give you a lot of help in the pain and the struggle and the challenges you're going through now, but the answer always, at least for me, always comes back to God is a loving God, and by faith I trust in that. And that if he never gave me Jesus to prove his love for me, then I have every right to be angry at him. But he did. He did. The Bible is very, very clear that I am not an ideal person. I'm a real person. And not only do I have brokenness inside of me, I've caused a lot of the brokenness. In fact, I've caused a lot of the brokenness in other people as well. I have done that. And maybe people were praying to God, why couldn't Paul be just a little bit different, God? Why couldn't you change him just a little bit? It's because I didn't want to change sometimes. And that's true for every single one of us. It it, it honestly really is. And it's called sin, and yet it's not right, and yet should be punished. And what God did in a most incredible incredible work. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of human flesh, and he took upon himself all that brokenness, both the brokenness I inherited and the brokenness I did and the brokenness that I caused, all the real stuff. And he said, someone has to pay the cost for that. I'll do it myself. And he did. He died on a cross for you and for me. I can't be angry at a God who gave his son for me. I just can't. And if he did that incredibly awesome display of love for me, to change my life, to forgive me of my wrongs, To give me a hope for the future in life, I can begin to grasp that the things that I don't quite understand, the things that I'm angry at, maybe are a little bit beyond my thinking, my comprehension, and I can rest in the love of God because of his son, Jesus Christ. If you're angry with God, um, I get it, I understand it but begin to explore and understand the grace and the love of God that overwhelms all those questions that you might have on why, God, you didn't do this or didn't do that. And they're found in Jesus. We asked you at, at the beginning of our time to maybe grab a, uh, a, a piece of something to eat and a cup of something to drink, and, and they symbolize, really, um, the Lord's Supper. It doesn't matter what they are, a piece of bread, a cup of water, a cup of juice. The symbolism, the meaning, is what's important. The bread you're going to be taking in just a moment symbolizes, when you believe, it symbolizes that God loved you so much and saw your problem in this very, very real world so much that he came down and took on flesh and blood. And that's why Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body. Symbolizing, I took on a a body. The cup you'll be drinking in just a moment. It symbolizes his blood. Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. Strange thing to say unless you understand and realize that the Bible says that the wages of your sin, my sin is death, blood. And Jesus said, I will die in your place. The worship team will be playing a song. And as they're playing that song, um, just as a family or take on, on your own the, the cup and the, and the bread, hold on to it and just think through the great love God has for you. And if you've been holding back your love because of some anger issue with God, understand That's how much he loves you and will love you.